0: I'm sure that there have been times in your life as there have been in my my life before that as I prayed, I've wondered, am I praying the right way? Am I making sure that I'm praying a way that I can have a confidence that God is going to hear and God is going to answer? We see all through the pages of the Bible, people who prayed, great men and women of God who saw God do incredible things as they prayed. And Jesus himself gave us the example of prayer and taught us a lot about prayer. And in Luke chapter 11, we see one of these moments where Jesus brings this concept, this topic, this practice of prayer to the attention of his disciples and helps him to learn actually how to engage in it. Let me read for you. Luke 11, 1 and 2. Once when Jesus had been out praying, that is, Jesus had been engaging in prayer himself, one of his disciples, we don't know the name of this particular disciple, perhaps uh, it was one of the 12 or one of the 70 that followed him, we do not know for sure, but one of his disciples came to him as he finished, that is, finished his prayer time and said, Lord, teach us to, what's the word there? pray. So what was the question? What was the request? Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples, he said, this is how you should pray. So notice the setting here. Jesus has finished his own prayer time and the disciples have been watching him pray and they were impressed by his own prayer life. And so one of these disciples comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, we'd like to learn how to pray your way. John, the Baptist trains his disciples in prayer. Would you teach us how to pray and Jesus responded with the statement, "This is how you should pray. I love that statement, how you should pray. All of us are aware of the how tos there are times in life you just need to know how to do something. Here we see Jesus saying, this is how you should pray. And from that, he launches into what we know to be the Lord's Prayer. He says, pray like this, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It was upon this occasion that Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer. But before he gives us the Lord's Prayer, he actually engages in some preparations to pray this prayer. And that's where I want to draw our attention today. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 9, we have what I would call the preamble to the Lord's Prayer, what precedes the Lord's Prayer. Instructions about how to pray Jesus' way, how to prepare ourselves for prayer. Let me read for you now from the New Living Translation, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. And now about prayer. So what is Jesus talking about? Prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I assure you that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father secretly. Then your Father who knows all secrets will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered only by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them because your father knows exactly what you need. Even before you ask him, pray like this. And then it's from there that he launches into the Lord's Prayer, which actually is a pattern prayer for us to follow. But I want us to focus in on this preamble, this preparation to pray the Lord's Prayer. What did Jesus say to us and what do we learn from this particular passage in Matthew chapter 6? I want to talk about three things that Jesus wants us to understand about prayer as we launch into prayer. Number one is this. He's teaching us that we need to make prayer a personal practice in our lives. Jesus taught us that prayer is something that's very personal. It's something that he actually expects every one of us as his followers to do. Three times in this passage, you will find Jesus saying, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray. He did not say, if you prayed, he said, when you pray. So the implication there, the expectation is that all of his followers would be people of prayer. What I want you to see today, beginning in this series together, as we look at 10 weeks of this prayer topic, I want you to understand that Jesus is calling you to become a prayer person. Not a single one of us that we do not pray at times. I'm sure that in an emergency situation, what have you often done? Oh, God, help me. I'm in need. It's called an emergency prayer. It's one of those moments when you need God in that moment. And so all of us have prayed at times. I'm not talking about just sort of a spattering of prayer from time to time. I'm talking about you becoming a person of prayer because there are prayers in your life that only you can pray. How do you practice prayer? Let me give you four things that are essential in learning how to become a person of prayer where it becomes a practical part of your life. Number one, you have to make the big decision that you're going to be a person of prayer. What I mean by that is this. I want to challenge you today that you will make a decision that going forward for these next 10 weeks of the summer that you're going to pray like you've never prayed before. That you'll take the challenge that every day of your life for the next 10 weeks, as we get started together in this series, that you'll set aside some time every day when you will pray. It might be five minutes. It might be 10 minutes. For some of you, it might be 30 minutes. For some, it might be longer. I'm not even going to try to tell you how long you should do it. What I want to encourage you to do is go home today and put on your calendar a prayer time every day for the next 10 weeks. Why? Because you'll learn a habit. And then the second thing is supply the commitment. It's one thing to put it in your calendar. It's another thing to do it. And so to supply the commitment means, you know, not only do I see it in my calendar and I've set aside some time for some of you, it might be early morning. I love the morning time in terms of prayer for others of you. It might be during your lunch break. Others, it might be in the evening before you go to bed. But sometime during the day, you've established a time on your calendar when it's going to be your time with God, your appointment with God. And then you actually supply the commitment that you do what you said you were going to do because nothing is going to benefit you if you don't exercise. It. See, it simply being on your calendar is not going to change your life. It's when you do it that your life begins to change. And so you supply the commitment by having a vision of what prayer will do for you. And then, thirdly, you have to resist discouragement. There are two dimensions of discouragement when, you, when, it, when it, it relates to personal prayer. The first kind of discouragement is, is when, you, when you fail to kind of keep up your commitment. And that will happen to all of us. There are times that we say, you know what, I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to give God 10 minutes or 15 minutes every day. I'm going to give him that time. And, you know, it's on my calendar. I want to be committed to it. And you go along for two or three days and then you miss a day. And then you miss the second day, and then you begin to say, Oh my goodness, I messed up. I made that commitment, but I'm not doing it now. And so if you miss a day, what do you do? You get started again the next day. Amen. If you miss a couple of days, don't let it drive you down in defeat. Say, You know what? I've missed a couple of days. I've missed three or four days, but I'm going to get back again. So if you get knocked down in your prayer commitment, get back up. Amen. And I'll tell you another thing that will discourage you. You'll be discouraged because you'll say, well, you know, I'm not seeing any answers right now. I'm praying, you know, pastor encouraged me to start praying every day. And I, I've been praying every day for three days and it hasn't, res- no answers yet, okay? I've been praying every day for two weeks. I, I don't see any answers yet. So you can get discouraged. I will tell you that sometimes breakthroughs in prayer take some time. You've got to pray your way through. We'll be talking about that as a part of this series. But don't get discouraged. The devil would love to discourage you in your prayer time. But don't do that because the devil discourages you because he knows how much power there is in prayer. And then expect answers. I'm not going to take long to talk about that. I'll come back to it in just a moment. But as you pray, there's an expectation that there's going to be a response from God. But here's what I want you to see today. First and foremost is that God wants you to have a personal prayer life. Number two, you have to adjust your attitudes about prayer. Jesus, in this passage that we read a few moments ago, talked about the religious leaders of his time. And, and they had the wrong attitudes about prayer. They had the wrong focus on prayer. And the Bible says that they were doing it for the wrong reasons. There were no people that prayed more regularly than the Pharisees did during Jesus' day. They were really religious people. But they did it for all the wrong reasons. And so Jesus addresses this. Let me share with you some attitudes of prayer that are essential if you're going to be an effective prayer person. First, you have to check your motives. Why am I praying? The New Testament, as we read a moment ago, Jesus said the the Pharisees prayed for the wrong reasons. They prayed so that people would look at them and and be impressed by their, quote, spirituality and their religiosity. And so they were trying to impress people. And Jesus said, no, don't pray for that reason. Don't pray so that you'll impress other people. No, pray for the right reason. James, in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, and listen to what he says. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? isn't it the whole army of evil desires at war within you you want what you don't have so you scheme and kill to get it you're jealous for what others have and you can't possess it so you fight and quarrel to take it away from them and yet the reason you don't have what you want is that you don't ask God for it James says the reason that you're fighting and scheming and jealous of people because you want certain things. And the reason you don't have what you want is because you're failing to do what? Ask who? God for. What does that call? It's called prayer, right? But now notice verse three. And even when you do ask, you don't get it because your whole motive is wrong you want only what will give you pleasure James says you got two problems going on here you want stuff in your life and you're looking to other people to try to provide all that stuff from you and it's creating all this confusion and frustration in your life you don't have it because you don't ask God and then the second issue is when you ask him you're asking him for the wrong reasons What's the wrong motive in prayer? The wrong motive in prayer is when you ask God so that you can get what you want for your life instead of discovering what God wants for your life. And the second thing that's necessary when it comes to our attitude is we've got to be real with God. Prayer is always about being real, being honest. I've watched people when they get ready to pray, it's like they become a different person. Their personality is, oh, thou is goddess in heaven above us like God says, who are you? And what you have to understand about prayer is that it's not a religious thing. It's not something where you put on all these airs. You can talk to God as you're talking to a friend. And then pray with certainty and pray with confidence. That's the attitude. The attitude when you pray needs to be an attitude of faith. Listen closely. When you pray, God listens. And when you pray, God answers. Faith says, I believe that when I pray, God Listens, I believe that when I pray, God answers. I'm a strong believer that God answers every prayer that a believer prays. He will answer it in one of three ways. Sometimes God will answer your request with a yes. Don't we love it when God says yes to the things we ask for? But there are also those times that we make requests of God and God doesn't answer with a yes. God answers with a no. Has God ever said no to you? Sometimes God says, wait. God says, you're not ready for that right now. I want to prepare you. I've got some other things I want to do. And so you're asking for it, but the timing is not right. So you have to understand that God... God listens when you pray, and God answers when you pray. There's a certainty and a confidence we have. Notice Matthew 6, verse 6. Jesus said, but when you pray, go away by yourself, Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father secretly. Then your Father, who knows all secrets, here's the promise. What will He do? He will reward who? You, God will reward you. John 14, 13 and 14, Jesus' words again, you can ask for anything in my name and I will think about it. No, it says, I will do it because the work of the son brings glory to the father. Yes, ask anything in my name and say it with me, church, I will do it. Now, Jesus says, you've got to come to me in my name. Let's talk about that just for a moment. Sometimes we talk about praying in the name of Jesus. We think of it as sort of like a, a suffix tacked on to the end of our prayers. Lord, do this. Lord, do that in Jesus' name. Now, we should pray in Jesus' name because we only get to God through Jesus. There's only one way to God, and that's through his son, Jesus Christ. There are not lots of different ways to God. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. So there's only one way to get to God. That's through his son, Jesus. And so when he says, when you pray in my name, he's saying, when you pray in and under my authority... It's not just a a little magical phrase that we tap on to the end of our prayers. Though when you pray in Jesus' name, it means that you've come under his authority. You've come under his will. You've come under his purpose. So you've submitted your life to him. And so he says, anything that you ask for under my authority, in my will, in my plan, I will hear, I will answer. 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. And we can be confident that he will Listen to us whenever we ask Him for anything in line with His will. And if we know He is listening when we make our request, we can be sure that He will give us what we ask for. Isn't that a beautiful promise from God? The third major lesson for us today is we need to focus on building a prayer relationship, not just voicing our prayer request. Jesus made it clear that prayer is a relationship activity. Listen again to verses 7 and 8 of Matthew chapter 6. When you pray, not, again, not if you pray, but when you pray. Don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered only by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, Jesus said. Because your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Jesus here is talking about a major difference between people who pray religiously and people who pray relationally. He said there are people who have religions who pray and they babble on and on with words, but they don't don't understand the connection with God. And so it's just a, a matter of repeating lots of words, trying to get the attention of their God, little G. But we as believers, those who are of us who are followers of Christ, we have a relationship with God. And that relationship is found in that one word, the word Father. Father is a relationship word. So it's extremely important to realize that when we pray, we're not engaging in a religious duty. We're not engaging in a religious activity. We're engaging in a relationship-building process. That when I'm praying, I'm actually engaging with my Heavenly Father, A father who loves me and cares for me. A father who has a plan and purpose for my life. A father who knows to give me what is best for me. A father, in fact, who knows what I need even before I'm asking him for it. A father that is deeply involved and completely involved in my life to help me with whatever I might have need of in life. I have a relationship not with just a God. I have a relationship with Father God. Amen. Many of us. There's not a single thing in your life that you can't trust to your Heavenly Father because He loves you in a way that you could not even imagine. And our Heavenly Father, no matter what our earthly fathers have been, good or not so good, God is always good. Okay. There's never a time that God is not good. There's never a time that God does not have your best interest in mind. There's never a time that God is not after what is good for you. In fact, the Bible says in Romans eight twenty eight that God works together, causes all things to work together for the good of those that love Him and that are called according to His purpose. You can't lose because you have a good Heavenly Father, okay? When you submit your life to Him, the only thing that can happen in your life is good things. Even when you go through tough things, the tough things become good things when you're trusting in your Heavenly Father. So this is a relationship word. This is an idea of understanding that I'm not praying just to get what I want from God. I'm praying because I want to build my relationship with God. Isaiah 65, verse 24. Let's read this one together. I will answer them before they even call to me. While they are still talking to me about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. Don't you like that one? Okay, that's what a father does. You ought to circle that one and take it home and put it on your refrigerator. That's a great one to remember, isn't it? I will go ahead and answer their prayers while they're still talking to me about their needs. Let me conclude today by giving you five reasons you ought to pray, okay? When it comes to this relationship idea, these are on your notes. What are the five purposes of prayer that Jesus taught us? Number one, to nurture and build our relationship with the Heavenly Father. We've talked about that. Number two, to synchronize our heart with God's heart. When you're praying, when you take that five minutes or ten minutes, what you want to do is build your relationship with God. It's all about your relationship. It's not about getting what you want first. It's about building your relationship and synchronizing your heart with God's heart. What does that mean? many of you will remember some of you have perhaps seen before old acoustic pianos or not necessarily old; it can be new as well but acoustic pianos that are based upon the string system right the strings that are in the piano where the hammer hits the string and the noise is made etc the the the, the resonances and uh, the, the note is is wrong and when a piano gets out of tune you call in a piano tuner and a piano tuner will come in with a tuning fork and the tuning fork with his tool set He'll he'll ring that tuning fork and then begin to make the adjustments on the string to synchronize the notes on the piano with the tuning fork to get it back to where it needs to be. Because when it gets out of tune, it's not, it's not accurate again. So we want accuracy when it comes to the notes. Well, the same way is true in your life. As you live your life, what happens to you and me is we all get out of tune with God at times, do we not? Sometimes God's ringing a good strong middle C and we're on a minor D over here, right, okay? And so when I pray, it gives me the opportunity to get a, to hear God's tuning fork and to get my life back where it needs to be. I go through a tough day and I've kind of slid off course and I get up the next morning and I start to pray and I hear that tuning fork of the Holy Spirit kind of bringing me back in line with God again so that I can keep my relationship with God where it needs to be. And the reason a lot of people don't keep their relationship with God where it needs to be is they don't spend any time with God, Okay. And so if you don't come back to him on a consistent basis, what happens is you get more and more out of tune, okay? Don't think that you're going to tune yourself up, okay? Only God can tune you up, amen? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, only God can tune you up, okay? I know that, okay? okay? Only God can tune you up, right? Okay? And so if you're not spending any time with God, you're going to walk around out of tune, okay? And there are a lot of us walking around, what's wrong with me? You're out of tune, that's what's wrong with you, Okay? You're completely out of tune with God. So you need to spend some time with God so he can hit that tuning fork and and get you back where you need to be. And so prayer is, again, are you seeing that prayer is far more than just getting what I want from God, right? Prayer is about me building my relationship, tuning my heart with God. Number three is to make requests of God. Obviously, we'll be talking about that uh, in the next several weeks, importance of making requests, sharing your burdens and your needs with God. It's a vital thing. And then number four. What's the purpose of prayer? To experience the confirmation of the love of the Heavenly Father through His responses to your request. It's so wonderful that when you prayed about something and God gives you an answer, whether it's a yes or a no or a wait, it's great to have an answer from God, isn't it? And when God answers those prayers in your life, well, you're, you, then out of the answer to your prayer, you have a testimony to share, right? You have something to say to other people. This is what God did for me. You have your own story. I'm thankful for your story, but I want my story, okay? How about you, okay? I'm thankful whatever God does in your life, that's awesome. I'll celebrate it. I'll rejoice with you, but I want my own stories. How about you? I want my own stories of what God has done in my life. I'm grateful for what he did in your life, but I want to tell my own stories, okay? I'll share your stories with other people, but I want to tell my story about what God has done for me. And so when I pray, it, gives me, it gets me into that position where I begin to have stories to tell of what God has done in my life. Any of, you, any of you today can just raise your hand right where you are and say, you know what? At some point in time in my past, I pray God answered. I got a story that I could tell about what God did in my life. We all have stories. And I want to tell you, there are many more stories that are yet to be written, many more chapters and books that are yet to be written of what God wants to do in your life, okay? But you've got to believe that. And so why should you pray? You pray because when you pray, you're going to get some stories. You're going to get some stories of what God has done for you. And then number five, the fifth reason why we pray is to rest and refresh our heart and the presence of the one we trust to care for us. Circle the two words there, rest and refresh. Rest and refresh your heart. Let me mention this as we conclude today. Summertime, some of you will be going on vacation, taking some time off. And the whole purpose of a vacation is to rest and refresh. How many of you have ever gone on a vacation you came back unrested and totally not refreshed? Okay? Right? Okay. Right? Okay. Why? Because if you do this physically only... You can go to the greatest places in the world and come back worn out, okay? Or come back just as worried as you were before you left. Actually, more worried because you spent all that money. Now you wonder how you're going to pay for what you just paid for, okay? So actually come back more stressed than you were before you went, okay? But here's what I want you to see. You can get rest and refreshing every day without going anywhere. Just go on your knees, okay? When you hit your knees, you can have a vacation every day.